Well, welcome to Your Money. I'm Brian Hirsch, and this evening we're talking investments. My guest is Paul Hansen. We'll get to him for a moment. How things have changed in such a short space of time. Four weeks ago, we were talking about investments, looking at the markets. Paul made the comment that the market, into its ninth year in the bull market, hasn't yet had a correction for a long time. And then, in the last 10 days, up to three days ago, the market started to move downwards. And at what a rate. So the question one's got to ask, investors are panicking. Is this the end of the bull market and the start of a bear market? Or is this a buying opportunity? And welcome to you, Paul. Thank you very much for joining me. Paul Hansen, Director of Standup. Paul, quick question. Is this the end, what we've been waiting for? And it amazes me that both investors and press have been amazed by this drop. I mean, we've been expecting a drop. So where are we now? Because tonight I see markets picking up, ready for Friday. A good buying opportunity? Yeah, I think so, because the... You know, it's tempting to think that it could be the end because, as you say, we're almost nine years down the track on the bull market. Next month, it'll be nine years old. So just from that point of view, you know, usually they only last four to five years bull market. So from that point of view, it's tempting. But the signs are not there that this is the end. The signs are that there's, there's good value in the, around the world. This is a buying opportunity by the looks. Paul, corporate earnings, I mean, we've seen we're now into well into the last quarter of 2017 earnings globally. Earn companies come out with the results that analysts were expecting? Yeah, and the, and the earnings have been upgraded quite sharply, I think by 11% in the, in the last month or two because of the tax cuts and because of the better economies around the world, not just in the US. The weaker dollar also helps for the American companies as stronger euros and pounds translate and, and other currencies translate into more dollars. So a lot of factors that are actually causing earnings to possibly be up 20% this year, year on year in the US, as much as 20%, which is extraordinary if you're in inflation's two-ish. So if we look at the markets 2017 and funds over 2017, up to November, December, good growth performance. Then J January, just markets went mad. And I mean, the Dow was up four or five percent. And yeah. then the first week of February, we saw this drop. So investors look at their overall portfolios and don't just look at their December values compared to now. They will be very comfortable. But, you know, those that may have entered the market in the last six weeks, particularly if you look at the South African market, people that may have bought Naspers or Richmond or, or, or those stocks that are RAND head stocks yeah. with the RAND recovery. I mean, we had quite a six, eight week period. We had the start of debacle. Then we had uh, uh, Ramaphosa coming into power and the recovery in the RAND. It's trading below 12. Then we had various reports coming out that South African companies, other than Steinhoff, and everyone was speculating what companies. Then we had Capitec and PSG st stocks coming off. And last week we had uh, property. Uh, property funds coming off because of a 361 report. So there's been an enormous amount of news coming out. I mean, has this had an impact on our market? Or you know, do you think our market was just overdone and it was time for a, a, some retracement and, and, and some breather? It's had a big impact. I mean, you, you, you mentioned, you know, Naspers was down 27% this morning from its, from its high in November. And I think it's about 18% of the all share index. So it's, it's a major factor. Then British American Tobacco was down over 21%. AB InBev, you know, the Anheuser-Busch company that took over SAB was down 21% from when it listed a couple of years ago. 
So a lot of these big grand hedges, as you say, Richemont's come down from 120 to 104, something like that. And obviously um, the mining shares are down 10, 12% as well, pulling back in the last couple of weeks. So there's, um, and Sassel too, also down quite sharply. So it has hurt and hit a lot of shares. The stronger RAND, the market correction, offshore, which has actually even been worse than local. I mean, the offshore is 9, 9.5%. We've been about 8.5% locally, which is unusual. Usually uh, emerging markets go down more in the corrections than the developed markets. But the US went down 10.2%. And, you know, it, it's been a sharp correction. But as you say, it was anticipated because the trajectory of the market had actually steepened quite sharply from, from January. You know, it had been going on a nice trajectory all the way along last year without a correction, and then suddenly, you know, it started to go, all, not vertical, but a lot more vertical. And that's usually a sign you're coming to an end of a, of a period of uptrend. Yeah. Paul, do you prefer, as, as a fund manager, to see this quick downturn rather than a gradual downturn. Does that give you does that give you more of a clue? I mean, th there must have been a lot of selling last week that was triggered by, you know, the co computer selling or, or was it was it investors panicking? Yeah, I think it was a mixture of computer selling like we had in 1987 that caused this 23% fall in one day. And there was a bit of derivative issue uh, with, re with regard to the volatility index in Chicago known as the VIX. There had been a lot of derivatives written on that, and companies like Credit Suisse were making a lot of money selling these derivatives. But it, w it was reliant on the VIX going along quietly around about 8, 9, and then suddenly when it took off like that uh, to 30, 40, that caused uh, those investors who'd taken out these derivatives to lose a lot of money. And then I think the unwinding of them distorted the market, caused it to fall much more than normal. So there were f a few different factors. So do you prefer this, this quick adjustment to the market <laughs> or a gradual downturn? Probably do prefer <laughs> the quick one, yeah. It's quick, I really yeah, it's a quick. very yeah. It's a very hard shakeout and all those that are weak, weak holders fall through and then you can move on. Well, we're going to take a break. You can call me afterwards, 011-483-1518. Talking to Paul Hanson this night. Our subject is investments. Stay tuned. I'll be back shortly. Welcome to back to your money. I'm Brian Hurst. This evening we're talking investments. My guest is Paul Hanson, Director of Stanlib. We are taking calls on 011-483-1518. I have my first caller on the line. Good evening. Craig, go ahead with a question, please. Hello, Brian. Hello, Paul. Thanks for taking the call. Um, I wonder if you can help me, Min. The Ned Group Property Fund, it was quite, it, the, the, the thing was performing very well, came right off. And uh, what are the views of Paul and yourself as to where this is going to go? It probably seems such a good unit trust to hold, especially that unit trust was supposedly such a good one to hold. Do you want to just have a chat to me about it, please? Sure. Thanks for that, Craig. Paul, property funds, I mean, let's understand, we have seen a downturn in properties. We, we, we didn't get a rate interest cut. And I think market was a bit disappointed about that. But th there's nothing changing in terms of income. And, and I, I say to my investors, if you're looking for income, 
there's no better place to be long term than in a property fund because your income is pretty steady and you can also expect some capital appreciation. I think over the last number of years we've had something about a 7, 7.5% income return and anything between 8 and 9% growth. But we've seen some dramatic drops in the last couple of uh, weeks. I mean, we've seen all property funds come off, but particularly the, the, the whole Res Fortress Group, Resilient, Resilient and yeah. NEPI and Green Bay and uh, Fortress, Fortress itself. Yeah, absolutely. We've, we've hardly ever seen anything like this. I mean, it's um, at one stage, I think Wednesday, at the close of Wednesday last week, the listed property index was down 19% in just a couple of weeks. Very heavily aggravated by the fall in, as you say, Nepi, Resilient, Fortress and Green Bay, especially the first three, because they, they, they were almost 25% of the index. Nepi had become the biggest property company on, on the JSE. Uh, it's not now, but it, I think it's fallen about 40% now. And Resilient is, is studying this report that came out last week, uh, you know, and they're they going to put on a question and answer story on their website. They'll let us know when it will be on the website, answering all the challenges that came out in this report. So, you know, they were quite heavily down today, those particular shares in response. They haven't come out with their question-answer session yet. But it, um, it really has shaken the whole setup quite a bit. But right now, I mean, you look at the dividend yield of the, of the index itself, it's about 6.7%, which, which is the same as the money market. You know, you could, that's all you can get in the money market right now. So it looks attractive. Yeah, look, I always say to investors, you've got to understand where it sits. I mean, asset allocation, when you come to investments, is the most important component. That will drive investment returns. And usually you'd be in property funds to balance that portfolio, take a little bit of rest risk off the table, and as Craig says, you know, where to from here. Yeah. But your I the income on these property funds have been increasing. Yeah. And if we do get interest rate cuts during the course of the year, uh, I mean, it was a bit disappointing that we didn't get an interest rate cut. It could have made a big difference to, to those really struggling who, you know, have got major debt. And, you know, you can't buy, buy a house today. You can't buy a car. You can't buy furniture without taking on some debt. Yeah. So if you think about 50 to 60% of the working man's salary going on debt and the balance going on living costs, I mean, you'd like to see that debt coming, that cost coming down. So they've got a little bit more to go towards living and take care of inflation. But I think, I think you'll probably find, Paul, properties at these levels being quite reasonably to pick up. Yes, Good look, buying I mean, obviously the economy's quite tight, and so the rental increases are not as easy as they used to be. And, but we're just looking for 6 to 7% on the local market in rental increases, which is hey, not bad at all. So, you know, you, you would think that uh, if you go back the, the last 5, 10, 15 years, it looks good value now, especially with the bond yield sitting down at 8.4%. And they've been sitting there for the last few weeks. They might even come lower. You know, they haven't, uh, that's good value to get uh, a, a dividend yield that is equal to your money market right now. That's the historic dividend yield. It's not the forward one. Hope that helps you, Craig. David, good evening. Go ahead with the question. Good evening, Brian. Will income funds beat money market returns? Thank you, David. Income funds, be, be, look, you take on a little bit more risk in yeah. income funds. But I think over a longer period of time, if you've got that time and you can stomach a little bit of risk, I think income funds will be money market funds. Yeah, absolutely, every year. Paul, don't, you, have year. A, don't you run an income fund? Well, we've got a very good one, a standard income fund, and it's paying you over 8% right now relative to the 6.7% of the money market. So. 
Yes, they beat, inc- they beat money market funds virtually every year. As you say, slightly more risk, but not much at all, not much risk. And they are well worth holding in a portfolio, not 100%. Let's say you had a, you know, you let, you'd put a, a certain amount into money market fund because they're a little bit safer, but you could have your 20, 30% of a portfolio in an income fund. For sure. Certainly for those who are looking for income. I mean, we talked about property giving you income. We talked about income yep. funds, you know, which is the purchase of government bonds and those type of things. But understand, in property, we've seen it now. And, you know, money market, you've got very little risk, whereas in those funds, you take on some risk. Yep. And, and it is a bit more return. You've got to take on a bit of risk. Yep. People Are people taking on more risk now, would you think, say, going forward for less return? Less return? Than we've had in the last... This nine-year-old bull market, we've oh, had very good returns. Well, not, I think after this correction, no, I think after the correction, there's, you know, we've mentioned some of the shares that have taken a beating. And, you know, you, at the moment, I mean, you, if you look at the JSE small cap index, the dividend yield is over 4%, historic dividend yield. If you look at the, the mid-cap index, I think the dividend yield is like 3, 3.4%. Also, the last 12 months, forget about the next 12, which, where it should be better. So there's value out there right now in our market. Jamie, good evening. Go ahead with your question. Uh, Hello, Brian. I want to invest in the stock market. What should I be buying? Okay, you want to invest in the stock market. Firstly, Jamie, you've got to understand when you go into the market, you're not talking short term. So you're talking long term, five years and upwards, because we've just seen a correction now. And remember, if markets come down 15 or 20 percent, let's say they come down 20 percent, they've actually got to recover 25 percent just to get back where you start. So I think, Paul, you'll agree. You're going to the stock market, it's a long term. And I think if you're going to be a, a newcomer to the market, it's better to go through funds or to buy an exchange traded fund or buy the index. Mm. Although the index is very distorted to a unit trust simply because the index holds, as you said, NASPA being 18 to 22% of that index, whereas you would find no fund manager holding that in their fund. Yeah, one or two, but not, not many. Yeah, absolutely. I think you should pick uh, two or three unit trusts. And, uh, you know, if you want to pick an all share index unit trust as well, but two or three different unit trusts that have a good track record. Yeah. Then Marcel in Janisbury said, what impact will the tax cuts have on US markets? Which sectors will benefit and has it been priced in? I mean, that's well, the one thing that, that I was absolutely thrilled with Trump yeah. because, I mean, I'm an inf- I look after clients. My job is to invest their money. Yeah. I want to do everything for the best of them that will create investment returns. So yeah. I was quite thrilled with Trump's uh, attempts and then success at the tax cuts. Yeah. Look, I mean, if you look at the financial companies, the, like the banks, they, their tax rates were of the order of 28, 29%. So it's coming down to, is it 21%? So that's a big jump, a big drop in tax rate. A lot of the IT companies were already paying around 21%, so they won't benefit. So it's those companies that, um, that you know, typically, although the official rate, I think, was closer to 35, 36%, most companies were paying in the high 20s. So a lot of companies like the banks will benefit. Has that been priced into the market more? It certainly was the end of January, but <laughs> we've had this correction now. It was, but uh, now the market's trading at about 16 times forward earnings, which is, which is quite reasonable. And the weaker dollar for these glo- American companies that listed, but are global companies, they'll benefit from uh, currency translations as well. Yeah. And uh, so we may see some good results coming through during 2018 to withhold and drive the market forward. Yeah, probably especially starting in about April after the March quarter.
Well, you can still call us. We're going to take a break. 011-483-1518. Stay tuned. We'll be back. Welcome back to New Money this evening. We're talking investments. My guest is Paul Hansen. Email from Louis and Peter Maryville. He says, how will the drop in cryptocurrencies affect global stocks? Well, we've seen cryptocurrencies. I mean, people say to me, what should I be buying Bitcoin? I've been saying to them, look, understand. I know nothing about Bitcoin and these cryptocurrencies. I don't understand them, which doesn't make it positive or negative. But Will these cryptocurrencies drops have any effect on markets? Maybe a positive effect. And people say, oh, thank goodness I'm going straight back. I'm going back into stocks. I'm staying away from that. This is a lesson. Stay away from something that you can't value. At least you can value a share. Well, although you talk to people who believe in cryptocurrencies, they say this is a phenomenal opportunity. How do they to value buy. it? You but we saw, these, we saw cryptocurrencies virtually double. Bitcoin yeah. was virtually double in December yeah. to where it is now. No, absolutely. The... The greater fool theory, whoever buys last gets caught holding yeah. the can. Can't, how do you value it? You can't. Uh, then Bongani Santon says, what is the likelihood of a managed portfolio outperforming index funds over the next few years? So index a managed funds portfolio yeah. is, a, um, is a balanced portfolio. Yeah. It's, where you, it's where you decide on stock selection and you start decide on how much of that stock to have in your portfolio. And asset allocation. Man, managed fund typically has equities, property, bonds, cash, offshore, local. So it's, uh, they're two different animals. You're comparing apples with pears there. Because you're comparing virtually 100% linked investment to equities versus something that could be anything between 40 to 60% and the other thing. But Paul, let's just talk about the story about passive versus active. I mean, if we talk about the index versus a full equity portfolio, I mean, you're not get, I mean we've seen when the market ran up, what Naspers and Richmond and maybe Anglos and Billiton did, yeah. making up 40% of the index. Correct. And now you see on the downturn... The reverse. The reverse. Yeah. So, I mean, everyone's... You've got to catch it yeah. right. That's why in a crash, you don't want to be caught in an index fund because it'll have the Naspers at 20% and so on, and they tend to fall faster in a crash because they've gone up faster. But in a bull market... You know, if, if you think that Nuspers is a, is a good acquisition now after falling 27% and Richemont and Anglo and Billiton have all come back quite a bit, then this could be the time to be in an index-related fund. Yeah. Paul, let's just talk, you know, let's talk about global performance, global future. I mean, let's just talk about China. Yeah. I mean, there, there was, I go back 18 months, everyone was paranoid about whatever figures came out from China. That seems to now be a little bit off the back burner. But is, is China still a big component in terms of global growth? Absolutely. Oh, it's a big engine. Even though India is growing faster, China is so much bigger than India that China is still the big engine. So it's crucial. It's absolutely crucial. And it's such a big buyer of, of goods from around the world. Yeah, make, plays a huge role. And they seem to be growing at a, a reasonable pace. May have slowed down from the sevens and eights and even the nines of the few years ago. But they're holding their own in this between six and seven. So far, yeah. So far it's doing fine, watching closely. You know, every number that comes out, people eyeball it because it is such a big factor. 
Uh, Ronnie in Baloney says, we all tend to blame the economy for poor market performance. But don't you think that many South African corporates have let down investors, to mention a few, Woolworths, MediClinic, Brates? Yes. I mean, South African companies went overseas, yes. and they seem to have bought at any price. Yeah. No, they've had a terror. I mean, Brates probably one of the worst we've ever seen in terms of buying new look overseas, and it's, it's in a shocking shape, shape right now. And Woolies in Australia, terrible move, overpriced, paid too much, got caught like a sucker there. One after the other. Those that have gone overseas, MediClinic, oh, the shares halved because of its acquisitions offshore. Uh, you know, they've been terrible. So he, he makes a point. It's, it's very you know, good. We talk point. about everyone else having, we talk about government having let down yeah. the economy, but a lot of South African corporates have certainly let down the investment community. Big time. They rush overseas, some of them going off at the worst time as far as the RAND goes, you know, 17 instead of now under 12. Uh, it's been it's been poor. So let's just talk about the rand. Only Bidvest. Bidvest is one of the few that went out there and did it correctly. Yeah. Paul, let's just talk about the rand. I mean, we're waiting for some news now on what happens to President Zuma. Uh, if President Zuma does leave government, does leave now, uh, we'll probably find more stre- strengthening in the rand. Uh, where can you see the rand? Can you see the rand eleven fifty? Well, that's what people are talking about. Eleven fifty next stop. Yeah. And then and then Paul. This can have a major impact on rand head stocks again, <laughs> yeah. on portfolios. Well, except for the fact that, you know, because the, the offshore markets have fallen 9 to 10%, so a lot of those big rand hedges are, you know, are operating in the offshore market. So it might, be, it might uh, be offset to some extent by recovery in those companies like British American Tobacco, Anheuser-Busch, Richemont, as those stock markets bounce offshore. Could and offset the rand. Strength. And Paul, if you want diversification, because we t- say diversify out of your business, diversify an asset class, diversify globally. I mean, this must be a good time to making that diversification to offshore investments. Absolutely, Glo- into both developed markets and to some extent emerging markets. And we're about six point six percent of the emerging market index. So you've still got, you know, ninety three point four percent China, etc. That you can get into India. Brazil, both op- offering opportunity now. Paul Leonard in Cape Town says, what impact will the withdrawal of stimulus to the global markets? I mean, the, there's certainly a slowdown and even a withdrawal. And, 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 and also, I noticed if you look at some the, the, the Bank of England talking about possible in rate increases over the next, we've got maybe slowdown in purchasing in Europe. Impact on, oh, is the, are the markets ready for this? Well, the US stopped QE quantitative easing, I don't know, a couple of years ago, two or three years ago, and we, we've never thought anything about it. I mean, nothing happened. You know, the markets have done, have had a, the, the, the global index went up 50% in the last two years in dollar terms, and now it's come back 8.5%. So, you know, from the low in February 2016, went up 50%. And that's with the US stopping uh, quantitative easing. <coughs> Excuse me. So, I don't think it, it won't necessarily have much effect, but we don't know for sure because we've never seen it before. And Paul, in South Africa, now as a fund manager, can you find value in quality companies? Yeah. Had like a lot of difficulty the last year. but Like, na- like the ones we've been talking about. <coughs> Excuse me, like the small caps, the mid caps that, that did poorly last year. They didn't have any NASPASs pulling them along. And the, I mean, you look at a share like Anglo Gold down 66% in the last year or two. So I'm not recommending gold, but hey, it's going to be an opportunity somewhere along the line. So th- there's a lot of value to be found in shares that have taken a big knock. 
Well, I think the message coming through to investors is there's no reason to panic. I mean, global economies are doing well. They're, yep, we're nine years into the bull market, and you've got to understand that you've got to understand what your strategy is. And the important thing is this is probably an opportunity to find stocks at a much lower value. I think what's also important, you've got to buy quality, you've got to buy companies with good earnings. But just remember that it is all about your long-term strategy and the uh, and, and the fact that we are we could have a bumpier ride still. We've seen markets drop last week. They were down 9-10%. I think in the last uh, two or three days, they've recovered a few percent. Stay along for the stay along. If you're a long-term investor, if you're a trader, well, good luck to you. Paul, thank you very much for joining me. Please remember that this program is to provide information and should not be construed as advice. If you'd like to get hold of me, you can call me. My number's on the screen. And next week, we'll be talking about retirement planning. I'd like to thank you for watching and good night.